What is up, everybody? This is Jeffrey Lyles. You are listening to Lyles Movie Files. Wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, I hope you are doing well and those closest to you are doing well also. I had a busy weekend, um, Memorial Day weekend, knocking out a few things, writing up a bunch of figure reviews to start working on for the next week. But I managed to carve up some time so I could watch AEW's Double or Nothing and kind of par for the course of wrestling since like 2018 the shows are super long and i'm i guess i'm just getting super old because i can't sit through a four-hour wrestling show anymore because i just need like okay that's enough i need to take a break but so i watched the first half of the show on sunday then i watched the second half the next day and i've got lots of thoughts on the show um AW has been, since this pandemic hit, one of the few sources of relief. I think they've done a really good job of making their shows fun, not taking themselves too seriously, and overall, the good time that they seem to be having is coming across on the screen to me. So I've been looking forward to watching each week's Dynamite, probably more so than before the world went crazy. And so I was very much looking forward to this. Some of the some of the matches maybe weren't as developed as some others, but they'd done enough booking over the last couple of weeks that I was invested in pretty much all of the matches. Or definitely in a sense that all of these matches had a purpose, which is something I definitely cannot say most of the time with WWE's matches. I didn't watch the pregame show because like I said, the shows are too long in general, so I just stick to the main show. And AEW Double or Nothing opened up with the Casino Ladder Match, where the winner would get a shot at the champion, either John Moxley or Mr. Brody Lee. So this ladder match had Darby Allen, Cole Cabana, Orange Cassidy, Joey Janela, who was replacing the injured Phoenix, Scorpio Sky, Kip Sabian, Frankie Kazarian, and Luchasaurus. It's an interesting mix of people, and I always kind of look at these matches where it determines a new number one contender much in the same way as a Royal Rumble who of these guys would have a good match against the champion and who legitimately could be a challenger for that champ so right away I'm going through and it's like eh probably not Joey Janela I love Orange Cassidy not him Kazarian no yeah, I think he just wrestled Moxley, so that's not it. Scorpio Sky could have a good match with him, but eh, I don't know. They've really done a good job of building up Darby Allen, but I also feel like he's had a slew of matches on Dynamite since the pandemic started. He's been in a he's gotten a huge spotlight, and I don't think that his profile will be raised from winning this match and then going on to lose against Moxley or Lee. So left a few options, uh, Luchasaurus and whoever this mysterious Joker wild card that was going to enter into it would be. So I was kind of like, yeah, that that's probably going to be the two options. I think I would have put Phoenix in this mix if he were there. And I'm really slightly annoyed that they did that spot on Dynamite that got him hurt because I love watching Phoenix and he is a guy who always brings it in these kind of crazy insane matches like a ladder match and I've warmed up to Joey Janela 
but I didn't. I thought that was a real step down in terms of participants in this match, uh, with Phoenix not being a part of it. And this matchup was set kind of, kind of like a Royal Rumble, where there was a timer between the people coming in. The commentators were really funny talking about the clock, like, "Hey, in case you missed that big clock behind them." That was fun, and I think that was kind of a theme throughout. A lot of times when I'm watching Dynamite, you know, especially since Excalibur and Jim Ross have come back, I feel like the commentaries kind of missed something that they were enjoying when Tony was doing it with Chris Jericho, where you had that face heel dynamic kind of, and Jericho's trashing all the faces and Tony's propping up all the good guys. And I feel like a lot of times Jim Ross is kind of going through his book of cliches and a lot of times they don't really work anymore. I mean, sometimes he's using dated references and it just kind of feels like, ah, JR is the best commentator I've ever heard. But does he really still need to be in this role? And I think this show really went a long way to kind of show what Jim Ross is like when he's still on his game. And I thought for the most part, he was really on top of it. Tony's like that cool uncle who just sits back and calmly tells you stories. And I'm still getting that Mike Tanay and WCW vibe with Excalibur, where he's just happy to tell you all the moves he knows without necessarily being the strongest storyteller. And I think their voices are all kind of similar in the sense of they're all approaching it kind of from this slanted face perspective. I think we need that counter, that person who kind of leans a little more into the heel side. And I know some people think that's cliche, but I think with Jericho showing us over the pandemic sequestering of the show, how important and how necessary that is even in 2020. So anyway, on to the match. It starts off uh, with both members of SCU fighting and they didn't do the well let's not fight they were going at it that was cool kip sabian came in next and sabian is a really interesting guy to me because i feel like he should be somebody that they're really investing in for the future he is a little small but i think he's got a cool look he's got jimmy havoc next to him who looks crazy i love that suit with the blood splattered I mean, the white and the red was like such a striking contrast. He looked cool. And Penelope Ford is good grief. It's funny because like during the matches, they were talking about Penelope Ford just being beautiful. And it's kind of like, eh, maybe we shouldn't talk about how hot somebody is in 2020. But it's really hard not to just go, good grief. She's blazing. So anyway. Sabian's cool. I think he needs more wins because he's a guy who I feel like I could believe in more if he started to win more matches. And I think now's a time where he starts to get wins as opposed to just being competitive. Uh, Darby Allen came out next. I wasn't expecting anybody to climb up the ladder and grab this chip, especially because we haven't seen this wild card guy come out yet. My man Orange Cassidy came out and he was hilarious because he did this ridiculous thing of like, oh, I don't know how to use a ladder. And he was just so freaking lazy. And the commentators are just cracking me up with his antics about, hey, this guy, I mean, we've told him how to do this thing 200 times. Orange Cassidy gets his gimmick. And, you know, at first, you know, from not watching him on the independent scene, I didn't get it. But, 
the dude has totally won me over in this past year. He is one of my favorite AEW performers. I actually want to see him win more matches because I just think that he, he gets it and he is hilarious. He is, you know, Vince McMahon always talks about everybody being sports entertainers. He is a wrestler who entertains. And I think there's an interesting distinction there. He's a lot of fun. One thing I did forget to mention about Darby Allen's run uh, when he came out, he did this ridiculously crazy, just so stupidly risky move where he's on top of the ladder and then he jumps down to try to jump on a Kazarian through the skateboard. And of course, Kazarian moves and he just crashes through the ladder, you know, from the skateboard. I don't understand how he didn't break anything. But it just seemed like after Wednesday night where they lost Britt Baker, they lost Phoenix, that maybe they wouldn't try to do stunts that are just so clearly not going to do anything. I mean, like, what are the odds of him coming out of that healthy and intact? I just, it seemed, you know, for a show called Double or Nothing, the odds were not in his favor of coming through that without any problems. And it's just one of those deals where it's like, that's too early in the match for you know a spot like that where he could just get hurt and be done and for a guy like Darby who they've pushed for so many months now putting him on the sidelines for something that won't matter in the long run it's just ugh, don't do that guys anyway Cabana's next Joey Janela comes out and we got a little excitement and action and that's going good then Luchasaurus comes through and and I, I used to watch this guy on Big Brother so I'm always tripping when I see Austin as this big wrestling star who actually knows how to pull off moves, who looks good doing it. It's just ridiculous to me. It's like, good grief. This guy was nonstop talking about his wrestling character, Judas. And to see him as this big dinosaur is just both amazing and incredible to me. So he looks good. And I think he's one of those guys who knows how to play well with the smaller guys. So he is, he can do that towering giant thing without, and he's able to sell too. So he's not just like, ha you can't do anything to me. He plays off them well. And, but he still has those cool spinning kicks and he just uses his size well. So I like watching him against basically anybody in the roster. So then that's everybody. And then our final person is Brian Cage, uh, the machine. And he comes out with Taz. And I, this is one thing I kind of wish that the commentators had picked up on a little bit earlier and stronger with their commentary for the last two or three weeks taz has been trying to help darby allen hey i can help you i can help you i can do this with you. i can work with you on this and darby kept blowing him off so as soon as he came out cage has like this mini ladder and he rips it just to show off how powerful he is and then he goes after darby and i thought that was cool and i you know i'll say the result for a second but i thought maybe this would be the start of a few with Cage and Darby where he just destroys him for turning his back on Taz and just blowing off the veteran's advice. Um, but boy, this was... So when Cage came in, he just came in looking every bit the superstar that he was in Impact and just like a difference maker. And it just made me think of how many guys on that AEW roster are these massive giants. I mean, it's like Vince McMahon's wet dream or something. You got Cage, you got Luchasaurus, Brody Lee, you've got the Butcher, you've got uh, Warlow, and that, that's five massive dudes. You got Lance Archer, 
is another one and if you want to include them in that dustin rhodes jake hagar there are a lot of big hosses <laughs> and um it's kind of interesting because we haven't seen a lot of feuds with them going against each other and that may have something to do with like the odds kind of being stacked more towards that heel side i would love to see some of these guys fighting each other like maybe cage taking on warlow or um lance archer i think that would be a really fun feud so i'm hoping that they make cage kind of a tweener where he's able to fight faces and heels and not just go as another maniac on loose heel um but yeah this is this is crazy they were all like fighting after cage they realized this dude could destroy us and that showed how tough he was and then eventually you know everybody's second comes out and this is a ladder match which is like okay but i was kind of like gosh we don't need everybody's sidekick manager valet coming out here i think with a ladder match we've got enough stuff going on where everybody doesn't need to show up maybe one of my favorite moments on the show at least in terms of commentary was when marco stunt came out and he had a baby ladder and he did a double choke slam on orange cassidy and tony asked jim ross hey what are you going to say about that or what are you gonna, what's your thoughts on that and jim ross is like nope nope not going to do it and i was he totally echoed my thought on it because it's like this is ridiculous i i'm not a marco stunt fan in the sense of he just looks like a child and i can't buy any move that he does seriously outside of getting thrown at people or getting thrown around it's just i can't um so then the match got going because cage decided to power out of the giant poker chip and then he has a really cool you know face off of luchasaurus and this is exactly what i think we need to see more of in AEW because they've got these giant guys who can wrestle they've got these awesome power moves and they can just play off of each other really well uh and that was that was that was exactly how i wanted that to go down and then it came down to Darby and Cage, and this was not much of a contest either. Cage just wiped him out. He put him on this ladder, and I'm not quite sure what the write-up thought was for this spot, but it was another crazy one. Like, he picked up the ladder, like he's press slamming it onto a ladder on the outside, and he totally missed the ladder. So Darby basically just splatted on the floor, which is probably safer than landing on the ladder or getting thrown in. And then Cage goes up, he grabs a poker chip, and he is the new number one contender. So that sets up an intriguing prospect of him versus Moxley or Mr. Brody Lee. I like this one well enough. Um, I think, like I said, there are too many times where these guys are taking crazy spots, kind of for no reason. And there was a little bit too much, hey, here's my manager, here's my tag team partner, you know, Orange Cassidy had the best friends come out. I just wanted to focus on this guys in the ring, not the people who were all over the place. And I think that that slowed it a little bit. But Brian Cage coming through, looking like a machine, dominating the field, really, really did a lot to make that one work for me. So let's move on to the next match of Jungle Boy versus MJF. So in our second match, MJF took on Jungle Boy a match we kind of got developed in the last couple of weeks of dynamite and this was an interesting one to me because jungle boy never wins and mjf never loses 
so for me going in it was clearly I know who's gonna win this one and as high as they are on Jungle Boy I have a really hard time getting behind a guy who loses all the time people complain about that in WWE where it's that 50-50 booking all the time but I kind of feel like younger guys like him probably should get enough wins where when they go against somebody booking wise on MJF's level that it's competitive and we think he has a chance this one went 17 minutes and it felt kind of long um like I said it's just if I, there's no suspense to me I'm not going to be as invested in it now I know Jungle Boy can do these good matches and he and MJF have pretty good chemistry they had this one crazy spot where Jungle Boy did a poison rana on the ring apron and that really, really, really looked like it could have taken out MJF. And, and you know, it's the second match in a row where it seemed like somebody was going to die um, off of a spot, but managed somehow miraculously to not get seriously injured. Uh, this was a cool kind of old school match where MJF focused on Jungle Boy's arm, which is good. I like to see matches where somebody actually goes after somebody. And this one played into the finish as well. And I like that psychology. And MJF is really good at just being a jerk. So I think he's he's always got a future because of that. But again, like I said, I I need more credibility out of Jungle Boy before I start buying and he's going to win any match. I know he's going to give it his all. He's going to give it his best. But in the end, if I'm putting money on it, I'm always going against who I'm always putting that money on whoever he's fighting. So MJF wins and he keeps his winning streak going. And... You know, thinking through it, it's kind of like, he seems to be a guy who should have been in that TNT tournament. I know that was a sequestered kind of setup deal, but I'm wondering when he gets his shot at the world title because the dude has not lost. And I kind of feel much the same way that Moxley, when he went on his basically undefeated streak to get his title shot against Jericho, that you got to reward people when they go in these long streaks. I think MJF and Moxley could be fun or Brody Lee, since I'm not spoiling who won. Wink, wink. But let's move on to the next one. This is the finals of the TNT Championship. Uh, Cody with Arn Anderson in tow versus Lance Archer with Jake Roberts. Iron Mike Tyson is here, and he is with the TNT, or he is presenting the TNT Championship to the winner. Now, uh, Jim Ross or Tony mentioned that the belt wasn't finished because it was still kind of in process before the virus kicked off. So they still had a few more gold plating to put on it. It looked okay. And um, it kind of reminded me of the, the NWA TV title, the Silver and Red. So I'm curious to see what the finished product looks like. I think that'd be something cool for them to put on their website just so we can see what it's going to look like when it's finished this one another long one cody doesn't do 10 minute matches and i think this one if it was like 13 it would have been really good but it's a lot of archer just pummeling cody and cody reacting trying to fight back one of the things that's made the aw show so fun since the pandemic has been the crowd the crowds at ringside which are basically comprised of the aw you know jobbers and um just other people on the roster 
I feel like I've been more invested in the gun club since they've been on the sidelines in the crowd than I ever was, you know, when they wrestled. So I think that's a big win for them. Big Swole was just, man, she, she was super old school, like totally antagonizing every heel. And she was doing that with MJF. And she was really on top of it with this match. Just like chewing out Lance Archer, chewing out Jake the Snake. And I don't know, it was just a fun added element to it. And, you know, it's just it's something cool because that's like how, you know, when you watch old wrestling back in the 80s, the passionate fans. And Swole really fit that role. And I like Big Swole. I want her to, I want her to get a bigger role. So, yeah, I want Big Swole to get a bigger role. Um, so this match was fun. I like the, the DDT spot where Cody hit it in front of Jake and was like, yeah, dude, I pulled off your move. And then Archer was like, nah, dude, that's just getting one. And then Archer did the Arn Anderson spine buster, looked at Arn. It was fun. I liked that. Um, Cody eventually started fighting back and then we got a deal where he keeps, um, teasing Sting coming to AEW when he does the Stinger Splash and Howl and yeah, I'm always down for any Sting references. Personally I want Sting to re-sign with WWE so I can get more Sting action figures. That is solely my interest in Sting going to WWE again or renewing that contract as opposed to being respected and treated like wrestling royalty in AEW. Um, Tyson seemed animated um except for that one time they got him kind of looking bored uh, but the dudes he he's a wrestling fan so it's always fun watching him in that environment so jake the snake starts to interfere and then tyson takes off his shirt and the dude looks super jacked up he looks like he could wrestle and look just as good as half the dudes on the aw roster at however old he is i know he's not 30 or 40 but it was kind of cool watching him go out there and just ham it up and have a good time. Eventually, Cody hit the crossroads uh, twice and then got a three count. I was a little surprised because I wasn't sure which way they were going to go with this match. You have the, of course, Cody wins the TNT title crowd. But I didn't think that Archer needed a title belt. I think he's a madman lunatic. And I don't think that they need a belt on him to just be that dude that's going wild and just tearing up everybody. And I think this is a good time to separate those two. We don't necessarily need to have that be a prolonged rivalry. I think Cody needs somebody else who's not so much of a brute to fight next. Maybe this is when they renew that MJF feud where he gets another shot because MJF wants the TNT title and then he finally gets his revenge. Maybe that's something they'll do. I feel more often than not, AEW makes smart booking decisions, so I, I kind of feel like eventually we'll see that coming up. Next up was Penelope Ford ver versus Chris Statlander. Uh, Skip Saban came out, and he had all these crutches and stupid tape around, just really maxed out for comedy. I kind of feel like Sabian could be a Shawn Michaels, Heartbreak Kid, 92-93 era guy in this promotion. But they're content for now to have him be like the third wheel in his more interesting trio. Where it's like, Penelope gets your attention because, duh, Jimmy Havoc just looks crazy. And Sabian's just kind of there. And I feel like he should be the one that's 
the point of the triangle that everything else revolves around. But anyway, Statlander's cool. I like her look and her ring presence. I feel like she and Penelope do not have good chemistry. And we saw that in the tag match on Dynamite. We saw it again here. They both try really hard. So it's kind of like, okay. And it was eight minutes. And I still felt like it was too long. Maybe half the time would have been more effective. Because it's just like, eh, alright, well, whatever. But it wasn't too long to really get annoying. But Statlander wins with the big, big Bang Theory. And that's it. So then we move on to the Dustin Rhodes versus Sean Spears match. And this one kind of got thrown out really fast. Last week's Dynamite. Spears challenges Dustin after insisting he's retired. Which kind of felt weird. I do feel like Sean is one of those guys who needs something else to maybe... Maybe it makes sense to have him in that mix of a faction with uh, Havoc, Sabian, and Ford. Because he needs some other people. I think he's got... He's funny, but I don't think he's a good enough personality to be anything more than a, a joke heel who just gets beat up by everyone with any credibility. And I think he's he's definitely that jobber to the stars kind of heel. And, I, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but I just feel like he's actually funny and entertaining. And I just kind of feel like maybe they could do more with him too. So on my list of guys who maybe need to get something else done with them, I've got Kip Sabian, Sean Spears, and, um, well, at least those two. I'm trying to think because I feel like I just had another guy who there's, they could do more. Oh, Jungle Boy, of course. So it's those three who maybe they could start pushing a little bit more. Because it's just, they're here, they lose, and that's it. And this time, it wasn't really anything funny or anything great about the match. But there were some funny moments where Dustin ripped off Spears' suit. And he's got boxers with Tully Blanchard's face on the front. It's old school, you know, Crockett stuff from Florida. And... You know, Carolina's a dusty book with J.J. Dillon a lot, or Cornette. And for whatever reason, it's still funny. And it works. And Dustin hit the final reckoning and got the win in four minutes. It was kind of this deal of like, eh, man. All right, Sean, that's your thing. And the best thing about this one is probably we got to see Brandy Rhodes at ringside with Dustin. Next up was, this is kind of like the point where there, where I was like, eh, okay. The show's alright. The best match at this point was the ladder match. I wasn't in love with that, but at least Brian Cage got to come in, wreck shop, and look like a star. But here is basically the turning point of this show for me. And it was the final three matches, which is a good time to turn the show around. It was our no DQ, no count out match for the AEW Women's World Title. Title. Nyla Rose taking on Hikaru Shida. Um, so my thing with, with Nyla is I'm never really the fan of the big juggernaut wrecking ball champ because I feel like that has such a limited run unless you've got somebody like a Yokozuna or Vader, which is honestly the, the only time that I thought that worked when you had those two mammoth bees just taking down everybody because both vader and yokozuna were powerhouses but 
they were, you know, they had points in every match where they could get beat. And I feel like Nyla is kind of like that, but they're still trying to figure out how they're portraying her character. Is she like this wrecking ball beast like Awesome Kong was in TNA? Or is she the bully who acts tough, makes jokes, and backs down when somebody steps up to her? So this match, I think we kind of got more of a sense of where they're going with her. And, you know, she's that super bully. And she does fighting back. This one had a lot of intensity. I think this was something that was lacking in some of the other matches. Sheeta was going after her. And Nyla's fighting back. And they really took advantage of the no DQ format. They're using kendo sticks, chairs, the whole works. I really, really like this match. I haven't loved a lot of Nyla's matches because I feel like she's a little loose a little sloppy at times and she hits a big power move and that's the end um we saw that kind of in her feud with Riho but this one I think she held up her end fine and Sheeta has been one of those faces that we saw repeatedly during the quarantine era and I'm kind of and I, I know they mentioned, Tony Khan said in you know interviews, that the people who did show up would not be forgotten. And not that there were going to be any repercussions on people who didn't show up for those tapings. But those who were there would be appreciated. And I thought this was one of those opportunities where this is where they could show that appreciation. Because Nyla was away for, gosh, what was it, a month and Sheeta was there. She was wrestling, putting on good matches with Britt Baker, Anna Jay, and just other people on the roster. And where the champ, Nyla, was home. And, you know, it's one of those things. You shouldn't lose your job because of injury. You shouldn't lose your spot on the show because of a quarantine pandemic. But, I don't know. I just think there's a brighter future for the division with Sheeta as a champ than it was with Nyla. Much the same way that I felt like the NXT women's division really benefited from Charlotte losing at WrestleMania to Rhea Ripley. As opposed to beating her and just running through a face division that had already been wiped clean by Shayna Baszler. Like there's nothing to look forward to with, with Shayna gone and Charlotte as a champ because all the people that Shayna beat are still there for Charlotte to beat. And if they can beat Shayna, there's no reason to suspect that they could beat the woman who dominates the entire division in Charlotte. So, small diatribe aside, I didn't think that was a good idea. And I really like that Sheeta got the runny knee shot, got the three count, and won a title because there's so many more possibilities in terms of people that she can match up with and potentially lose to and again i always think that is a huge thing with a world champ or tag champs that when they fight people there's that well they could lose and i think that's so much stronger with with hikaru shida as opposed to Nyla Rose, who is like, yeah, there's no way Penelope Ford is beating her. There's no way. I mean, Statlander already lost to her. I mean, it's just, you've got to have a, a wide open deck. Now, there are all these heel women wrestlers on that division who could potentially beat Sheeta if they get a good, you know, if they have a good night. And that's key. So that was definitely my favorite match of the show. 
up to this point. Really good and great effort from both women. Next up was AEW World Title Match. John Moxley taking on Mr. Brody Lee. And this is a feud, this is a match that I thought really could have benefited from like a month of booking. Like half that time they were using um, Jake Hagar to fight Moxley. And that was cool because they had that empty arena match and that's pretty decent. But I think if the point was, hey, well, let's put let's make a world title match with Moxley and Lee, they could have spent a bit more time working on it. So I was I was kind of like, all right, this should be cool, but I wasn't excited about it. And kind of like midway through the match, I started to go, wow, this is fun. I like this. Brody Lee is a dude who always felt underutilized in the WWE. Moxley is still carrying this massive chip, coincidentally for whole or nothing, on his shoulder from the way he was treated in WWE. Kind of like a comedy act never really taken seriously and we're seeing the best version of John Moxley right now and they're going all over the ring they're throwing each other through stuff doing power bombs through tables it's fun and then um they're up on the steps on the ramp and Moxley has a paradigm paradigm shift through the ramp and it was one of those deals where you've seen the spots where the floor the ring collapses and it's kind of like ah, i see where we're coming this one i didn't see coming at all and was like oh my gosh he really put him through there mostly slowly crawls out and Brody lee comes out and he's got a nice trail of blood coming through his forehead and it's like oh shoot this is real and Moxley goes to cover, he gets a one count, then he hits another one, and that only gets a two, so then he starts, like, just going after him like a savage, then puts him in a rear naked chokehold, and that's where the ref decides to call the match, because Lee can't respond, and that goes 15 minutes, and it did not feel, you know, it was weird, because, like, the world title match lasted shorter than the TNT championship match, and I'm like, ah, come on, something's a little wrong here, but wow this was fun i really like this i think john moxley his i think he's been that guy where he felt disrespected by one company and he has done everything in his power to show how wrong they were for treating him like a joke the dude is on fire with his matches like i can't think of a pay-per-view match where moxley hadn't delivered that feud against omega was great his feud with Jericho built up really well, had a good payoff. I mean, the dude has constantly delivered on this front. Like, there hasn't been a situation where it's been, yeah, that Moxley pay-per-view match is okay. And I said it when Moxley beat Jericho for the title. He is the hottest act. He delivers the brightest on these big stages, on their shows, and he's totally earned that spot. And... I think he's the best guy to be their champ because they can follow that Hogan formula of just throwing in a bunch of big giants, Hagar, Brody Lee. Now we've got Cage on the horizon for him to just set up and knock down. And I'm excited about this reign of Moxley. I hope they don't wrap it anytime soon because there's so many more fun opponents they can throw him up against. And... Yeah, I just think that they've got a lot left in this title reign with him, especially since he wasn't able to defend it in a traditional manner during that quarantine 
era. But yeah, I am excited and I remain excited about what what the future holds for Mosley's title reign. Last but not least was the stadium stampede match with Matt Hardy and the Elite taking on the Inner Circle. I, I gosh, so I don't even know how to to break this match down. They were on the football field. They had the cheerleaders, the Jaguar cheerleaders, with the uh, quarantine mask on, which I don't know why, but still is kind of hot. Um, and then the inner circle was all wearing football jerseys, and some of which had some kind of connection to their past. Like uh, Jericho's 27 was his dad's number when he played hockey, and Sammy Guevara was wearing a jersey from the year he was born it was like 93 and i was like oh my gosh i remember 93 so well this guy wasn't even born when vader and yokozuna were running rough shot over the wcw and wwf um so yeah it was and it was kind of like all right they're fighting on the football field and you know they were doing their thing on the field for a while and i was like okay a lot of kicking and punching this that's cool then they started to go crazy and doing just ridiculous stuff they uh adam page comes out in his freaking horse and he's chasing after sammy guevara and it was just absurd it's like the dude's on a horse i was impressed that page is actually riding on the horse but just that shot that scene was just so like oh you guys are gonna go all the way with this then the young bucks uh matt climbs up onto the goal post and does a moonsault from the goal post i mean that is what you do in a situation like this, I mean, it's like, oh, way to take advantage of it. Uh, Pride and Powerful take Hardy and Omega up into the stands. And then there's a pool and uh, Omega's taken out. So then they put Matt underwater and the Joker starts turning into his different incarnations. So he gets dunked one time. He's Matt Hardy early era hardy boys gets dunked again then they go to to matt hardy version one and they've got the matt facts was which was so incredible i mean i was laughing so much at this whole pool sequence because you know ortiz is like i can't swim and the pool is like three feet it was it was so funny i mean it was you know you've seen all these backstage brawls and it's like yeah okay it's cool but oh man just like the the making use of the setting the humor that was actually funny the commentators not overselling it but reacting like this is funny they weren't like making fun of the wrestlers they were having fun with the scenarios which is a huge difference in that presentation but it was it just worked so well so then matt takes uh ortiz he handcuffs him or not handcuffs he takes duct tape and duct tapes him into a wheelchair and then he puts santana in the ice chest and that was like okay they're done then hagar finds adam page because he's been running around in the backstage area looking for sammy on his horse tells the horse stay because he finds the bar and then hagar walks in and they they sit down at the bar like you know like the old gunfights the jugger passes him a drink they start fighting and it is a super massive bar brawl hagar actually at one point takes page and drags him across the bar like you'd see in those old westerns so funny i mean i'm laughing so much at this point then omega comes in and they just start taking 
bottles of the bubbly against Hagar's head, and then they do a buckshot and takes out um, Hagar. I mean, this was crazy. Um, so Matt then gets the bright idea, you know, because we've shifted back to the field. Matt takes Guevara, and he just starts doing Northern Light suplexes the length of the field. And it was so insane. It was like, you know, it's kind of like when he starts, it's like, you know, it would be cool if he just did suplexes the entire length of the field. And then they do it. That was, that was crazy. So then Jericho's fighting Nick Jackson. He gives him a dose of the Miss Machine. Then um, they're using bullhorns. And Nick takes a bag of footballs. And of course, anytime a dude gets a football hit in the balls, it's funny. And Jericho does that. And, and it's just, oh, man, this is hilarious. Um, so Jericho takes out Nick. And Aubrey Edwards calls it a two count. And Jericho's no and pulls out a challenge flag. I mean, it's just like, this is ridiculous but in only the best way so then they go and to the blue tent which is supposed to be where they do the medicals but whatever they're reviewing the the play and and it's a two count and he's like this is ridiculous and it was is really stupid but in such a great way um so then they put jericho through a table after nick runs up one flight of stairs and then drives jumps back off and dives through a table He's done. Paige uses the line marker and he splashes that over Jericho who's knocked out. Guevara's climbing after surviving this suplex through the field and he gets the sprinklers on him and hey, he's the last guy standing. He's wrong because all the elite are still there and Hardy and Omega come through with the golf cart again. This is paying off that last time Sammy panics and he runs into the stands but he's he's one dude against the entire elite Matt Hardy and then right when he's starting to fight them off and he's one-on-one with Kenny Omega uh, Neo one Vanguard one's replacement comes out and distracts him long enough for Omega to hit a massive one wing angel out onto a platform and then that is the three count it was 34 minutes of complete and utter insanity. I've watched all the ultimate deletions, all of the Hardy compound matches, uh, the Boneyard match, all of these cinematic escape matches. This was my favorite. It was so fun. Just funny. And it was like, I know wrestling purists are just screaming and crying, but gosh. 2020 has sucked hard as a year. Um, I feel like that's a statement most people could make. And I just feel like this was an escape, a release. Everything the wrestling community needed. I mean, we've, we've had so many wrestlers who've, who've gone and died this year. It just sucks. I mean, it's just May. This year has been terrible. And anyway, this match was all about entertaining people. Uh, again, it's like what Vince McMahon always alleges with the WWE. We're here to put smiles on people's faces, Pally. This did it. Big time. I laughed. I was so happy watching this thing. And I just thought, there may not be anything that wrestling ever does that tops this moment in terms of the timing. What it meant. Just the fun atmosphere and what they were able to do and pull off. I mean... 
this is the the <laughs> concession stand brawl on steroids and you know they just took it out to a whole football field and it was so so good so entertaining loved it. i mean like basically as it started going i loved all of it if you track down any one thing in wrestling this year it should be this 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 stadium stampede it's crazy i will give this one whatever rating you want to 10 20 out of five but it was a lot of fun and definitely go out of your way to see it so of course with that as your main event and two strong world title matches preceding it i don't know how you could not say this is a good show but i really enjoyed it definitely my favorite wrestling show geez not just in 2020 but maybe like the last three years um just in terms of what's going on and and just why it was important to have it the way it played out it was some quality wrestling we got some chaos of the ladder match got an old school technical match with mjf jungle boy we got two really strong world title matches and then the ultimate gaga over the top insane spectacle of the stadium stampede match and tons of fun well worth everything they did and set up and just a really creative way of playing off this next step of the elite and inner circle feud and really really delivering i cannot wait as always for dynamite but i'm just very excited to see where they go going forward with this so yeah big fan love the show uh, if you have not seen it check out the replay definitely worth your time to see um yeah it's just worth watching the whole deal because it, it builds up well it's like an old school wrestling show where each match kind of gets a little bit better builds on the next one then you have your cool downs with the ford statlander spears dustin Rhodes match and then we start going into the to the big time main event matches and that was great so highest recommendation possible if you're a wrestling fan and just want an escape check those out um well worth watching and as always i will be back to do some more um big show stuff i don't i can't i just don't have the bandwidth anymore to do the the weekly wrestling shows but as stuff comes up i definitely want to keep talking about it uh, so that's it for this episode if you do check it out or if you have seen the show let me know what you thought about the stadium stampede because i am very curious to hear what you think and that's going to do it for me i'll be back as always with the boys doing a regular show talking about all the craziness in movies uh more that justice league snyder cut and maybe a suicide squad air cut and um keep watching the site i'm doing stargirl reviews now love that show um I've got the Age of Apocalypse, X-Men, Marvel Legend figures, and the Game Reverse Build-A-Figure Abomination figure review coming up because I've got all those figures now and I need to start writing them. And next week, I am very excited because the G.I. Joe figures, mine that I ordered a long time ago, pre-ordered, will finally be at my doorstep. So that's the line I'm most excited about reviewing. So I will be breaking them down very soon, probably as soon as they arrive. All right. So that'll do it for me. Hope you are doing well. Remember, if you like the show, hit me up, subscribe and comment. Give me a, you know, Hey, tell everybody, tell the world. It's a great show. Listen, I do appreciate it. And again, I hope you're doing well and your family and loved ones are safe during this time. Thank you as always for listening. This episode allows movie files has been filed.